usually check in with R.W. Estella on the phone, and today is no different. Good morning, R.W. Hey, good morning, Allison. Damage assessment teams from both MEMA and FEMA, the main emergency management agency and the federal emergency management agency, will be busy this week in Maine's Aroostook and Penobscot counties estimating damage to bridges, roads, businesses, and residences from last week's flooding although officials have already said that the region will undoubtedly qualify for assistance. Yesterday, my girlfriend and I drove a dozen or so miles north on Route 2 along the Penobscot River, only as far as Greenbush, noticing several stretches where the river had overflowed its banks, crossed the highway, and created many good-sized ponds that hadn't existed previously, marooning many a house and outbuilding. Flotsam and jetsam were ubiquitous after the river had receded slightly. The Penobscot River had, of course, not only been assisted by melting snow in late April, but also by at least three or more inches of rain that fell on our part of the state this past Tuesday and Wednesday, which altogether made for lots of moving water, perhaps not quite at the 175,000 cubic feet per second rate that the folks way up north in Fort Kent had to contend with from the St. John River, but down here the Penobscot was nonetheless a formidable flow. As we headed back south from Greenbush, a slight drizzle began to fall, a harbinger of the additional rain that had been forecast for the first part of this week. With the windshield wipers doing their hesitant metronome impression beneath the low gray ceiling of stratus clouds, the closer we got to Orono, the more we just wanted to hunker in at home for the remainder of the day, which is exactly what we did, catching up on this and that and choosing which emails and which calls we wanted to answer. One of the calls we picked up came from a friend we'd made several years back in Mexico during the first week of May. We'd been staying in an old colonial town nestled in the Sierra de Guanajuato Mountains and had met him while doing research at the local library. He was new to town and wanted to meet some locals, so we took him to a small party where the excuse for a casual celebration was the 140th anniversary of La Batalla de Puebla, otherwise known north of the Rio Grande as Cinco de Mayo. Our friend wanted to hold a Cinco de Mayo celebration of his own, but was cloudy on the historical and traditional elements of the festivity, so we told him the following. After Mexico declared its independence from Spain on September 16, 1810, our fledgling nation neighbor to the south went through several decades of growing pains that included the Mexican-American War of 1846-48 to and a time of national crisis and civil war during the 1850s. By the turn of the next decade, Mexico was in sad shape, in tatters and bankrupt. So on July 17, 1861, President Benito Juarez mandated a temporary moratorium on all foreign debt for a couple of years. England, Spain, and France would not honor Juarez's plan and subsequently sent troops to collect on the debts. Juarez negotiated with the English and the Spanish, and they left. The French, however, decided to dig in for the long haul envisioning a new empire in Mexico under Napoleon III, who sent the Habsburg prince Maximilian and his wife, Carolota, to function as courtly figureheads over the sizable contingent of French troops invading Mexico. Advancing from Veracruz at the coast inland toward Mexico City in 1862, the French army would be met and defeated at Puebla by Texas-born General Ignacio Zaragoza and future President Colonel Porfiro Diaz, together leading 5,000 Mestizo and Zapotec Indians and a limited number of cavalry on the 5th of May. Hence the commemoration of La Batalla de Pueblo in Mexico has become known as Cinco de Mayo in the United States, where it is celebrated on a much larger 
a much more commercialized scale to include parades, mariachi music, folklorico dancing, and other festivals. In San Marco, Texas, for example, Cinco de Mayo celebrations are replete with pageants and requisite cuisine. Every year's observance, ironically, has a royal court of sorts in that a Miss Cinco de Mayo and a Little Miss Cinco de Mayo are crowned, with a first runner-up and second runner-up serving as ladies-in-waiting. Wonder how Juarez, Zaragoza, and Diaz would have felt about that. But perhaps the food brings everything back down to earth, since the Mexican stew known as menudo is omnipresent at self-respecting Cinco de Mayo festivals. What's menudo good for? It has a reputation for fighting the effects of la cruda, or the hangover, following too much revelry on Cinco de Mayo. What's in menudo? A bunch of stuff such as a calf's foot, a couple pounds of tripe, onion, garlic, several varieties of chili peppers, hominy, and assorted spices. And like many other traditional Mexican dishes meant to go a long way, it takes a while to make. So for anyone planning to accompany this year's Cinco de Mayo celebration with menudo, get cooking now. For more on Maine, Feliz Cinco de Mayo y hasta luego. Have a great day.